We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. All right, welcome back. Hour number two. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr. We'll be at Hard Rock Stadium Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff. Our pregame begins at 3.30. So Don and I will be uh, anchored in in uh, separate booths on Saturday, (laughs) socially distanced and all that stuff. And uh, looking forward to Miami and Florida State uh, getting a second look at the University of Miami from ESPN. It's Kirk Herbstreet. Herbie, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, and you appreciate this. My, my partner, Don Bailey, of course, was captain of the University of Miami football team in the 80s. Uh, Jim Kelly was his quarterback. The first, their first matchup, I think uh, Don was eyeball-to-eyeball with Bruce Clark, but Don's father was also very good friends with Lee Corso. They ran around high school together. I love that. Uh, same high school? Went to Jackson, Miami Jackson. They were Jackson. generals. That's right. Oh, that's that's hard. That's awesome. I, is it? By the way, is that still a high school? Is that still exist? It's still. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely there, and it's uh, been pre- it's been productive. Uh, coach Harris, a guy who played in the uh, in the NFL for a long time, was a coach there recently, and they've done very very well. Oh, that's great. That's great. Lee Lee always likes to tell stories about uh, his time down there and just growing up, what it was like for him. Obviously, ends up going to Tallahassee to Florida State, but uh, he's, he's told me a bunch of stories about some high school football games down there. Well, it was, it was him ahead, and then Joe Brodsky. I don't know if you remember Coach Brodsky uh, was was one of the guys that ran around with him as well, and Coach Brodsky yeah. was a running back coach and a high school coach and won a bunch of Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. So that, that was a pretty, wow. it was a pretty impressive gang they had. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. That's, those, are, those are fond years to reminisce about. Oh, yeah. One of my first jobs on the radio was uh, I did a college afternoon scoreboard show and uh, on Saturdays in the early 80s, and every Saturday without fail, a, uh, a nice lady would call and say, could you please give me the Indiana score? And it was uh, Lee Corso's mother. <laughs> oh, that's good. You're, yeah, what are the odds of getting a call about uh, about the IU score, right, yeah. in Florida? Yeah. You're not gonna You're not going to get that request very often. But I, I do appreciate how you take care. I know you guys, uh, he's, you know, in Orlando or wherever this year, but you've done a yeah. great job of uh, of taking care of him through the years and treating him with such great respect. It's uh, really, yeah. really, really, very warm to see. 
Well, he's my guy. I mean, uh, he's just he's just a special person um, to anybody he comes in contact with. And I've been lucky enough to, to be with him for 25 years. And we've had an interesting run. You know, we, we've just life life goes on life changes you know you, uh, for me i got married i i had kids my kids now my oldest are i have twins that are 20 and he's always been there for me somebody i can talk to and get advice from and jo- advice about my career you know and he he's just he he'll sit there and listen and nod his head and nod his head and listen and you'll go on for 10 minutes with whatever your issue is and then he's like Don Corleone. He sits there and he gives you one sentence to, to just make all of it make sense. And you're like, wow, okay, okay, I, I, I see it now. I see it now. I appreciate it. I can't tell you how many times he, he's done that with me. So just to just obviously love him to death, and he's my guy. And, um, you know, anything I can do to be a good teammate to him, I, I tried to do. Hey, uh, th- this will be your second look-see at the University of Miami. Uh, yeah. What was your impression Saturday night? Well, I think it was pretty obvious um, for people that, that anybody watched the game. I mean, I I probably went on and on a little bit too much um, because I, I, I'm i a Miami fan. Like, I, I like to see this program do well. Um, early part of my career, I worked on Thursday nights with Mike Tirico and Lee Corso. We would – we would have Miami, you know, back in the 99, 2001 years and just kind of saw their program up close and got really close to a lot of those players in, the, in that era. And I just, I just always was very fond of them and always appreciated, you know, the way they carried themselves because as an outsider, I had a very different perception. You know, I, I watched, you know, you, you mentioned you played in the in the 80s. Like, you know, I, I played in the early 90s. And Miami, you know, to me, without knowing the players and, and, the, and the, the brotherhood within that, that school and that team, you know, you would see them, you know, talking trash and doing this and doing that. And, and it was easy to kind of look at them and say, man, I, I don't get this program. And then for me, I was lucky enough to do that job and and meet guys and meet the coaches. So I don't know. They just have always, it's always been a program I've always wanted to do well. And so it's, there's been some really lean years, obviously. And so to see this team the other night with the Eric King and Rhett Lashley in this new system and, and Cam Harris continuing to look good. And there's just a lot there. Brevin Jordan's, I think a superstar. There's a lot there to be excited about, and and you know there's a long way to go. Obviously, a big game, rivalry game with Florida State, bye week, and then Clemson. So, we'll find out who they really are. But um, there there's enough pieces uh, on the offensive side to to really get excited for for what they can do. And to me, the defense also has some pieces. You know, I think they got to mature and and play with more discipline. But uh, they they've got some alphas on that side of the ball. This this Jalen Phillips, I think. By the time we get to the middle of October, providing we can keep playing, I think the whole nation is going to start saying, who the heck is that 15 on Miami? Wow, that guy is a monster. I mean, he's a dominant player against the run. He gets extension, uses his hands, gets off blocks. And then, you know, as a pass rusher, he just he can go around guys or over just go through them. So um, I'm a fan. Uh, look forward to seeing what happens uh, on Saturday night. But um hope they keep their – their wits about them and, and stay focused and don't buy into the headlines and all the hype. 
that they're starting to receive. I watched your comments during the game. I always go back and watch the TV coffee. And uh, Derek King, I believe, was rolling to the left and made a fantastic throw. And you were like, I can't believe it. I can't believe this guy. (laughs) It's like, this isn't supposed to happen. And and, I I mean, you were like, wow, somebody can do this? I mean, he's, I mean, I was just like, I just had appreciation for it. I know you I did. Like, I know you did. I was trying to make Fowler understand, like, how sick of a throw that was. I right. mean, dude's rolling to his left. He's got his offensive tackle right in his face, who's 6'5", and he goes right over top of him. And he could have – I don't know if he could have handed it any better to that, that on that throw to the receiver. Yeah. I mean, he actually left beautiful. his feet on the throw. I mean, I, it, it, I know he seems like a jump pass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, you know, Kirk, he he has made uh, as you've watched this program, yeah, in the shortest period of time, I have I don't know that I've ever seen anybody make such a big impact. No, I mean, it, I, I Russell Wilson comes to mind for me. He left NC State, as you guys know, right, went to Wisconsin, and showed up showed up in Madison. He yeah. was there for four weeks and was voted unanimously a team captain and his temperament and his style of the way he carried himself reminds me a lot, not, not Russell, you know, the other night on against the Patriots, but as a college player reminds me a lot of De'Ara King, you know, in, in a similar situation where he had started a number of games in Raleigh and then left and had one year in Madison to kind of make it all happen and actually led his team to a Rose bowl. I mean, he had a great year and, Derek just he's very humble he's a grinder he keeps his head down you know he's just all about the process you know as coach Saban says and I think this program you guys know way better than me um man I I know they've had some names but they've not had stability at that position Mm -hmm. to me since Ken Dorsey I mean Brock Berlin had some good years They've had, you know, some names that, that we thought might do that. Ja'Cory Harris was a big name, and Brad Kaya, you know, had some moments. But I don't know if they've had anything like this. And I think it really impacts not just the, the offense, but I think it impacts the defense, the confidence that they'll have now, that that uh, just a belief that, that we got a quarterback and we got an offense that's going to score, and we, we're in every game, you know. And that, that really can rub off on everybody and, and – uh, I hope that he stays healthy and, and this thing continues for him. I would add to your point, Kirk, that uh, the guys uh, in Miami history, if you go back to Dorsey and go back to when Don played with Jim Kelly and Mark Richt and the guys in between Kosar and Tessaverde and yeah. Gino, all those guys understood that in this town, in Miami, playing quarterback is a big responsibility every day. You, you, you are the second NFL team here. You know, you're going to be compared to Dan Marino. You're going to be compared to Vinny Testaverde. I think Derek King understands that. I think he understands responsibility. Yeah, and think about what he's been through in his own life. You know, I, I think it just gives him a, a different lens of maturity. You know, he, he really enjoyed his time at Houston. It wasn't like he was kicking and screaming and, you know, you're not being nice to me, so I'm leaving. You know, he, 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 was, he started 19 games, had a great career, and played four games last year and then was kind of asked to, to redshirt, which is an unusual move. I remember talking to him, actually, uh, that, that week. Um, George Whitfield, who, who knows him and works with him, uh, put us in touch together, and we just had a nice talk for, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes. I didn't know him until that conversation, and I, I was just kind of 
he was just picking my brain and we were just talking and I, I just remember hanging the phone up and said to George, like, this guy's, this guy's different. You know, he, he's very, very mature for his age. And then after that, what, what he went through on a personal level with his father, you know, passing and, and his mom getting sick and having breast cancer and fighting back from that. So I think it, I think he just has a, a different feel for the game, a different level of maturity is like I said, and because he'd been through a lot, you know, I mean, he's, I don't know how old he is, 22, 21, 22, he's going on 30, you know, for everything he's, he's been through. And he really carries himself that way. And um, again, it's two games. We'll see how it goes, but I've got a lot of faith in Rhett Lashley. I have followed his career very closely. And um, I think he's a, a head coach in, in a year or two somewhere. He's going to have the, those kind of credentials and he's got, He's kind of when you talk to him, he it's you just there's I've been doing it 25 years. There's certain coordinators you talk to, and you just know, you know, you're talking to a guy that's going to be a head coach in a, in a year or two, and he's got that that feel to him. And in the meantime, you guys are getting a taste of how he operates. Like he he's from that system where it's not like you know you you and I when we're up by a score or two, where we're going to run the ball and kill the <laughs> clock. I mean, he's in attack mode until it's done. You know, until the the horn goes off, and that's a different mindset than I think Miami's had in a long, long time. He's basically bringing him into the 21st century. Kirk, when you look at the off last season, you end with a, a horrible ending for Miami fans. You, lose, you end with three losses, but then Coach Diaz figures it out pretty quick. He he hires Lashley, brings in Coach Likens, who is an outstanding receiver coach, yeah. and, and Garen Justice yeah. is from what I would imagine we had 15 sacks in the first two games last year. You've got a couple logged, but in reality, the offense line hasn't given up any. So he goes and he brings in those three guys. Then he gets goes to the portal, and you got Roche and, and Phillips and, and then Borgalis, the kicker. Uh, My I mean, you talk about fixing everything pretty darn quick. Manny Diaz did a great job with, with getting this ship turned in the right direction. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. He just went down the the list of things that he clearly addressed and needed to address. And um, Manny's a, Manny's a great guy and another guy that, you know, you watched his career grow and, and he learned from so many great people that he was able to work with throughout his career as an assistant and then a coordinator. And again, another guy that has that temperament, you could see him eventually becoming a head coach. He's got a great story himself and you know how he got into the business and 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 how it uh how he took off i mean i remember years and years ago whenever i'd go around florida state when he was really young and you had mickey there and chuck amato you know and he was he was like a shadow to those guys and and then you know of course followed chuck up to raleigh so he he's had a great run he's been able to watch a lot of things and learn and i think the adjustments that he made as you said, uh, from from one season to the next, has helped has helped them. But to me, I, I think it's it's about culture too. You know, I, I think it's about getting this this program to get back to you know those glory years of the '80s and, and the '90s. It wasn't just about the swag and the dancing. It was about a to me, like when I watched Ed Reed up close. It was about a competitive spirit that was unparalleled anywhere in the country. And, and as a senior or a junior, you handed that down to the freshmen. 
and then the freshmen became sophomores, and the sophomores became juniors, and then they kept handing it down. It was like an accountability. You know, you talk to a Jonathan Vilma or any of these guys who were alphas in that program in the glory years, they, they took pride in the program, not the trash talking, but the program and, and handing down that legacy to the next guy at their position. And they got to get back to that, you know, and, and they got to recognize the importance of that. And I'm hoping they're taking the steps um, because this is bigger than winning games. It's bigger than beating Louisville. It's, it's about getting back to that, that brotherhood of, of winning and accountability and, and holding each other accountable and, and uh, bringing back those, those teams that, team, that other teams feared because of, of what that, that, that tight bond that they had. It wasn't about going to the league. It we can deal with that later. Right now it's about destroying the team that's on the other sideline. And uh, they've had it at moments, but it's been very erratic and very inconsistent. So to me, if I'm Manny, I'm working on that as much as tweaking the offense or, or doing this or that. I, I think it's about that culture and getting that back. And I know he's trying to get it back. Yeah, no, That's a very, very, very fair analysis. And I think uh, – Don and I would tell you we are advocates of having an older team, and Miami's been in a position where often they've had to play guys too early who were too young, and you're looking at it now. You mentioned Jalen Phillips. Phillips and Roche are older guys yep. that keep Harvey and Cameron Williams uh, on the sidelines or they can play in, in spots, and you know, safeties. You have Amari Carter and Bubba Bolden, older guy, Zach McLeod, older guy, linebacker. And I think uh, that helps the maturity and also helps develop other younger players. I, I think that's a great point. And I, I would add one last thing. We live in an era where if you don't have, like if you're not locked in to, to your program, you're very easily influenced and impacted by social media. Like a guy I'd rather get a cool shot to put on his Instagram for his followers than like really dig in and compete and battle and grind because he loves the game and he loves his teammates. And these coaches today in college football, they're not just battling an opponent. They're battling their own team dealing with that. That's their world. They grew up with that in middle school. They grew up with that in high school. And they come to college with that. They walk around with their phones. They're looking at their phones. They're on Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it is, Twitter. And they're, they're, they want to put a cool picture up on that for all their followers. And it's like, that's okay to do if it's like, and also you get to do that. But in the meantime, let's keep our laser focus on it's Sunday. What's our focus on Sunday? It's Monday. What's our focus on Monday? And then on down the line. I'm telling you, say whatever you want about Nick Saban. He's figured that out. He's figured out a way to get his guys to buy into that. And it's not an easy thing to do for any coach to get them to buy in, to care, to love the game. It was in the 80s and 90s and the 70s and, and, you know, go back as far as you want. But today there's a lot of distractions and a coach is constantly trying to battle that. Kirk, you mentioned you have you have two twin sons that are 20. So let's say – You've got those two sons are have the have the chance to go to the National Football League. They've got National Football League talent. How are you being a father to them? How are you being a manager to them? How are you being someone that guides them to make that decision to what are your parameters to leave early or to stay? If you're if they have a great let's say they're juniors and, and are th- third year guys or fourth year guys doesn't matter. 
But what it, what it, what would you be? What would your guidelines be if you had to had to write the guidelines to stay or to go? What were some of the things that you would make sure that these young players thought about? Because we see the mistakes happen time and time again that kids cut out early and they're done before they even yeah, get started. They don't even they don't even get drafted, right? Or they get drafted and they go for a year on the practice squad and then they're gone. Um, and I. I I don't think you can write a script and say this applies to every player um, because everybody has different different backgrounds and, and different different uh, needs as far as you know what's going on with their family and they want to try to be able to in some cases pr- be able to provide and help their family and then in other cases that you know you, you may be just focusing strictly on uh, the league and am I ready to go? All these players don't hope to go to the NFL. They know they're going. Every player thinks he's going to go to the NFL and make a lot of money. So when you think about that, you got to realize that, to me, as a coach, what again, going back to what Nick Saban, if he has a guy like Derrick Henry who just won a Heisman, who's a junior, and Derrick Henry, Coach Saban always brings his guys who are ready as after their third year, He'll bring them in, meet with them the, the Monday after their last game, and he'll meet with them individually and talk to them about it. This is, this is the word from the NFL. Derek, you're 6'4", 235 pounds. You run a 4'5". You're not going to get any, any faster. You're not going to get any bigger. You just won the Heisman. Hey, we loved having you here. You, you got to go. Like, so he'll tell him the truth. you know. And then the next guy will come in and be like, hey, Ronnie Harrison – your safety, you got to get faster. You got to read things quicker. You, you, you have so much room for improvement. I, my recommendation is you, you need to come back and keep working, right? And then Ronnie came out and he did his own thing. That's fine. A lot of these, these players, though, whatever coach tells them, he's, he's got their best interest in mind. And, and most of them listen to him and, and, and go that path. I, I just think that there's such a focus on the league and, and making it, and I get that. And I, I just worry that we're getting further and further away from that degree and how important and what a game changer that degree can be in your life. I love chasing the NFL. I think every player should chase the NFL. But I think you're making a, a huge mistake by putting all your eggs into that basket. That's your only focus is three years and out. Then – there's nothing Nick Saban or Manny Diaz or anybody can say because you've been thinking that probably since you were in middle school. I'm going to go to three years and I'm going to be out. And then you get drafted some cases in the fifth or sixth round and you end up never making the team. Some guys do, but a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't. And now they don't have that degree. And, they, and a lot of them go back home. And that's the, that to me is a bigger issue in college football than anything going right now. Paying players name, image, and likeness, it's making sure these players take advantage of the system instead of the system taking advantage of them. And I'm a classic example. I love to go to the NFL. I thought I was going to go to the NFL, but I got a degree. I didn't go to the NFL. I ended up getting into local radio, and then one thing led to another. But my name at the time in Columbus, Ohio, being a former captain and player, quarterback at Ohio State, that opened the door for me and I was able to walk through that door based on having a skill set to be on the radio. 
But if I didn't play at Ohio State, that door wouldn't have opened for me. So I, I was able to take advantage and, and have an awareness of taking advantage of the system. I think a lot of guys, they don't, they don't take advantage of the system. And if you don't, you're on an assembly line, and the system will take care of you most definitely. So I, I, uh, I mean, there's so much to get into there, but I, I, you can't really just say it's one answer. Here's what you need to do to go out. Here's what you need to do to stay. Cause I think it, it just, it's so different for each individual story and, and, and everybody's background and what they bring to the table. That was great advice. One that we should put on an endless loop and play in every, uh, every team meeting room. You've been very generous with your time. I want to thank Cameron Gorby, America's greatest communications director for reaching out to He's you for man. us. <laughs> he is the man. He's a man. <laughs> I'm telling you now, I deal with all of them. You guys probably deal with a ton of them in the ACC. He's, He's as good as there is out there, and uh, I always look forward. When we have a Miami game, I get a text from him on Sunday, and he's uh, he's 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 passionate about the Canes. That's for sure. He's trainable. Well, listen. Uh, uh, after the last six months, we cannot wait. I cannot wait until Saturday night for Miami and Florida State. Hopefully, we'll have great weather. The restaurants are open. You can eat eat outdoors on Friday, or or go to Fowler's house. He's got a great view. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Well, I look forward to getting down there. Hopefully, the humidity will come down just a little bit. Um, but I'm I always anytime Miami and Florida State get together. And I'm lucky enough to be in the booth. Um, I just love seeing, for me, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you just love to see those uniforms on the same field together. And a lot of these guys played high school football together, and they'll be passionate, be a lot of a lot of emotion out there. So we're fired up to get down there and looking forward to a game day in the morning and then to be able to call the game that night. We're, we're anxious and, and looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Best of luck on Saturday. Hope to see you. Okay. Have a great week, guys. Thank All you. right, that's uh, Kirk Herbstreit from ESPN joining us, and uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he get very gracious with his time. You know, those guys get uh, a lot of people asking their time, and so that was nice. He had great great advice there to your to your question. Well, he did, and uh, it's basically each person should evaluate exactly where they are and exactly where they think they're going to go because there's no, really there's not much guessing anymore. Right, Joseph? I mean, they, the, the coaches give you, the, your family has access to the information. You, you really have a good idea where you're going to go and look at it as an odds maker. What are, you, what are the odds for a fifth rounder, the fourth rounder, a seventh rounder, a free agent? And, and you got to look at it that way. Well, University of Miami's done a good job of graduating their players. We got to get to Lou Headley in a minute. Uh, we talked about Am- Amari Carter. He he already has his degree. I was watching a game the other day. Rayshon Jenkins playing in the league. Uh, when he first started here, he had a back injury, but he ended up getting his degree, and he's doing well in the NFL. But uh, if that doesn't last, you know, a couple more years, who knows? He's got his degree. A lot of guys have their degree. Feliciano was one of your favorite players, and Isadora, and uh, we've seen one after another. Uh, get a degree at the UM. So, uh, and then the guys that leave early, uh, we would love them to stay, but they also have the ability uh, to come back and get their degree, and some do, and uh, they take advantage of it. So we'll talk more about that. We've got to get to a break and uh, bring on Lou Headley, the Hurricanes punter. We'll do that next right here on the Hurricane Hotline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.